Welcome to Passion Life Church. Some of you probably have the digital. Matter of fact, if you have the digital formatted Bible, can you just lift it up in here? Who's got the digital? Come on, somebody. We got anybody got the paper, old school paper Bible? All right, cool. Well, it's a good thing to have a Bible. We're going to go to a New Testament book, the book of John. Uh, it is the fourth book of the New Testament and uh, written by a guy named John, one of the great apostles. And uh, we're going to look at a story here and uh, we're just going to dissect it and we're going to have fun doing it. And today I simply want to talk to you about this idea of your mission, your mission. You might not know this, uh, but for those of us in here this morning that have said yes to Jesus, those of us that are here this morning that are Christ followers, uh, we have several purposes in God. Uh, our first and greatest purpose is just simply this, to be loved by God. That's it. That he created us to have a relationship with us, uh, to love on us. And I really believe that uh, the greatest thing that you can know in your life is that God loves you. That's it. That's the greatest thing. If you know nothing else, if you get nothing else out of church ever, if you could just walk away with this reality that God loves me, that's pretty powerful, right? The greatest thing you can know in life is that God loves you, but, but the greatest thing you could do in life is love him back. That's it. You, knowing God loves me, it, it just it draws something out of me. And so I realize that the greatest thing I can do in life is to love him back. And at our church, we just got done exploring uh, these five main purposes that we have uh, for those of us that are Christians, those of us that are Christ followers. And I want to share with you one of them today, and it's like our last one. After you know that God loves you and you love him back and you're building community with one another, uh, there is this idea of mission, that, that you and I have a mission, that God has a mission for us. And I want to share that with you. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will do what? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Okay, it's talking about that you're going to be a, a witness, you're on mission, you're going to be a witness right there in your, in your neighborhood, in your city, in your state, in your nation, and the rest of the world. This is our mission, okay? This is our mission. We have a mission. Matter of fact, Isaiah 61.1 says this, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, Isaiah 61.1 is, is declaring this about Jesus, okay? This is prophetically speaking about Jesus, but we got to understand that the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in us if we're a Christ follower, okay? And so, in essence, it's saying this about us as well, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to prisoners. Amen. Amen. The writer of Acts, check this out, Acts 20, 24, says, But I count my life of no value to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry or the mission I receive from the Lord Jesus, and here's what it is, to testify to the gospel of God's grace. You and I, if, if, we're, if we're believers, if we're Christians, man, we have a mission. Now, if you're here this morning and you're just checking out church, this is a great day to check it out because what you're going to discover today is that the church really does have a mission and that the mission isn't to fill an auditorium on a Sunday morning, okay? And so if you're here checking it out, you came on a good day because you're going to discover the mission of the church. This mission, though, you got to understand this because this mission that we have, it is not to bring others to like make them love Jesus. Okay, it's not our mission. 
Our mission is to introduce others to Jesus. That's it. That's it. We just have to introduce them. Like, here's, here's my best friend in the world. His name's Jesus. It's up to them if they like him or not. Are you with me? Okay. Our mission is not to get people to like Jesus. Our mission is not to get people in love with Jesus. Our mission is just simply to say, hey, this is my best friend, Jesus. You with me? Amen. Amen. Good preaching, pastor. All right. Our mission then, as known as, as we read in scripture, is this simple word evangelism. 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 2 Timothy 4.5 says this, but as for you, be serious about everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. John chapter 4, you're there. I want to start in verse 7. Going to read quite a bit, but I believe that this, this, this paints such a great picture of our, of our mission. John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, for his disciples had gone into a town to buy food. What's happening at this point? Uh, Jesus was just in another place. He was in another city, and, and people were, were, were saying yes to him. They were following the good news about himself. I mean, come on, think about this for a moment. It's one thing for us to preach the good news about Jesus Christ, but how incredibly weird would it be to preach the good news about yourself? Are you with me right now? Right, but this is Jesus. He's on mission and he's talking to others about how good he is. And people are saying yes to him. And, and, and the Bible says that many are getting baptized. And now some of the religious leaders in the place are getting upset. Jesus understands they're getting upset. So he tells his disciples, hey, guys, let's move on to another place. Let's move on to another town. And, and so they do. And the Bible says that they had to go through Samaria. But if you understand scripture and you study it out a little bit, what you discover is this, is that they didn't really have to go through Samaria. Matter of fact, Jews avoided Samaria at all costs because they were at odds with one another. There was some racial tension. And so when the Bible says that Jesus went that way and it says they must go through, there must be a different reason than just an easy access. Are you with me? So they're on this journey. They end up in Samaria. Jesus is tired, sits down at a well. The disciples go off to buy, to buy some food. And she replies to Jesus, how is it you, a Jew, asks for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asks him, for the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God, who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman. You don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. Whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water... I give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said. It's a good story. Give me the water so I won't get thirsty and come, come draw water. Okay? He's speaking about something different in case you haven't caught on yet. Okay? She's still caught up in the, I want some of that water. I don't want to have to keep walking here every day. And he's talking about 
the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us when we say yes to Jesus. Give me that. And he says, hey, go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. She said, I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Right? <laughs> what is that all about? Listen to what the woman does. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Yet you Jews say that the place of worship is in Jerusalem. Did, did anybody catch what the woman just did right there? She changed the subject really quick. Are you with me? She just changed that real quick. <laughs> Jesus just read her mouth. Yeah, you, you, you're right. You, 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 the guy you're with, he's not your husband. Right, but you have had five of them. Some of you should take notes on this right now. Change the subject really quick. <laughs> right? Just, sir, I believe you're a prophet. Let's talk about something different than me. Let's talk about worship. Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. You following along in your Bible? But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus looks at her and said, I just did. All right? Now go with me to verse 39. Okay, verse 39. Am I going to verse 39? Yeah. Let's pick it up verse 34. He starts talking about food, the food, uh, uh, do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus told his disciples some things about food and feeding and all this stuff. Let's go here for verse 39. Now, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified, he told me everything I ever did. Therefore, when the Samaritans came to him, now check this out. This is what happened. Okay, well, I'm just trying to speed it up a little bit because my time is limited. The woman leaves everything at that moment. The disciples return with food. She slips out. She goes back to the town of Samaria, where she's from. And she goes to these people and she says, hey, guys, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Okay? So now, of course, they're curious. She leaves everything, goes back to Samaria, tells them. Now, many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of what the woman said. When she testified, he told me everything I ever did. Therefore, when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. Did you catch that? They came believing because of what she said. But when they came and they met him for himself, they, they came to the conclusion that it's not even about what the woman said. We have now met him for ourselves, and we believe because of what he's telling us. 
Are you with me? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray in the next few moments that we have together that, God, you would speak to us. Lord, that you would just clearly articulate, Lord, our mission so that we could walk it out. Lord, I pray, Lord, for everyone in Passion Life Church this morning that's sitting here, that, God, you would fill them with great faith and great hope about the future, and they would understand the mission, and they would walk it out in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. This is the woman's testimony. It's her only testimony. She leaves that place. She goes back to Samaria, her mind blown by what Jesus just told her, the conversation they just had. She realizes she just met maybe the Savior. Matter of fact, this is what's so cool about it. If we go back into the text, when she goes, she says, hey, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. And she says this statement, could this be the Messiah? Now you need to highlight that in your mind for a moment. We're going to come back to it because she goes to these people and says, hey, you got to come meet this guy. He just told me everything I did. I'm not sure if it's the Messiah, but it might be the Messiah. Come and meet a man who told me everything. I have, I have two daughters, one that's 14 and one that's going to be 12 here this month. And um, I love raising daughters, but um, does anybody have daughters out there, raised daughters? Okay, then you're just going to feel me in this moment. There is no, other than me, there are no males in the house. We even have a female poodle. I don't know how that happened, but. So I have two daughters, a female poodle, and my beautiful wife, and not necessarily in that order. Um, and so there's just a lot of females in the house. And, and I love raising daughters, but when you're raising daughters, there can be this thing called drama in the house, okay? And so when I hear one of my daughters yell, Dad, come here, quick! I don't know if that's because there's a spider on the wall. I don't know if it's because her outfit isn't working out. Come on, somebody. I don't know if it's because her hair isn't properly falling into place. I don't know why. And so the first couple of times when I hear it, Dad, help, I'm running, man. And then I get up there and I'm like, what? And it's like nothing, you know? So the first couple of times you were up there, but after a while, you just kind of like, wait. Come on, dads, you know what I'm talking about. If it's really serious, they'll yell a couple more times, right? The other week this happened to me. I was downstairs watching Monday Night Football like a good dad. And all of a sudden I heard one of my, dad, my daughters yell, Dad, come here, quick. I'm just like, whatever. I sat there and kept watching football. No, Dad, really, you got to see this. And I'm playing all the scenarios in my mind. You know, it's probably an outfit not working out, a spider on the wall, whatever, you know. Whatever. Finally, she comes running down the stairs. She looks at me and goes, Dad, you've got to come and see this. So, I, of course, I asked, how big is this spider? She goes, Dad, it's not a spider. You just, what is it? No, I, you've got to come and see it. She happens to have this, this nice balcony off of her bedroom, and so she comes up and, her doors, both French doors, are wide open, and you walk out, and there's the most beautiful sunset in the back. And we just stood there, and I was like, baby, why didn't you get me sooner? <laughs> like a good dad. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and we just sat there, and all of a sudden, my wife came, my other daughter came. We just sat there like this, like, wow. She got out of camera, started taking pictures. I'm so glad I didn't miss that moment. Because, see, there's some things that, that people just got to come and see for themselves. 
There's just some things that, that, that you know, you can't, just, you can't just come and try to explain it. It's just like, hey, you got to come check, check this out. And I guarantee you when they get there, they're going to look at it and they're going to be like, why didn't you tell me about this sooner? Come on, somebody, are you with me? This is what's taking place with this woman. Her, her mind has just been blown. And the first thing she does, she runs back because she's got to share this moment with everybody. She can't hold it in. She can't articulate it properly to them. She's just like, you, you got you to gotta come and see this. What is it? It's a man who, who told me everything. It, it, it might be Jesus. I'm not sure. But you, you've just got to come and experience it. And I believe right here in this text, we have one of the snapshots of our mission that you and I are to walk out here on earth. This story sums it all up. So let me just give you a couple things real quick about your mission that I learned from this woman. The first thing is this, that you need to understand about your mission is that it flows from a place of love and acceptance. Love and acceptance. Now, when you hear that, you're like, of course, we love people. Of course, we're going to accept them. But that's not the love and acceptance I'm talking about. Our mission flows from a place of love and acceptance from him. And because of his love for us, and because his, of his acceptance for us, we can be on mission. I mean, look at this text. There is so much tension in the text. It's kind of like watching a Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton debate. Come on, somebody. You don't know what's going to happen next, right? I mean, Jesus is in Samaria. There is racial tension in the text. The Jews didn't relate with Samaritans because they were, they were half-breeds. And, and so they, they, they were just like, we, we, we don't associate with them. There was, this, there was this racial tension. That's why she's shocked when she comes to the well and Jesus speaks to her. And she's like, whoa, how, how is it that you, being a Jew, awkward, right? There's tension. There's racial tension in the text. Kind of sounds like maybe our culture. There's some tension. But it's not just the racial tension. I mean, look at the story. There, there, is, there, is, there is literally tension within the, the, the male-female, the sexes. How is it that you, a Jew, speak to me, a Samaritan woman? Because not only did Jews not associate with Samaritans, Men didn't just openly talk to women like that unless they were a prostitute, okay? And so she's like, whoa, hold on a second. So you have racial tension. You have the, the male-female tension. Are you catching the story? There's some tension going on in the text right now. But not only that, check this out. There's actually religious tension in the text, there's, there's some church stuff going on. Imagine that, stuff going on in the church. Shocker, right? There's this tension between churches. Look at what she says. Sir, changing the subject, I believe, I, I, I see that you're a prophet. So let's talk about worship instead of my issues. Thank you. And they begin to talk about worship. And look what they do. They, they talk about it. It's like, well, we worship here, and we worship this way, and this is how we do it. And Jesus is like, that's great, but, but this is how the Jews do it. 
Okay? Imagine that. Tension in the church over worship styles. I went to one church and they had a fog machine. How dare they have a fog machine? That's the glory cloud. Come on, somebody. You know, we've settled for the manufactured glory. <laughs> I don't know. I went to one church, man. They had lights and they were blinding me and I couldn't pay attention. Well, that one church, they, I, don't know, I, don't like, I don't like the song choices they had. Then there was that one singer kept going off key. Right? There's tension. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, listen to me. It's not about the songs we sing. It's not about the auditoriums we feel. It's not about the style of lights or whatnot. It's not about any of that. It's about who you worship. It's about, that's why I've come to the conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, I was just up at a retreat over the weekend speaking at a retreat. Their worship, totally different than this worship this morning. Our worship at our church, totally different than worship here at your church. But here's what I've come to the conclusion, is that it's not about style. I'm not worshiping a style. I'm not worshiping to a style. I don't care if the lights are off. I don't care if the lights are on. I don't care if there's real glory cloud or fake glory cloud. I'm worshiping Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's not about a style. That's why people should be able to go into any church. The problem is, is that the church teaches culture over the gospel. And so when you go to another church, you don't feel it because it's not the culture you're used to. We shouldn't be te teaching church culture. We should be teaching Jesus Christ. And therefore, you can go into any church that preaches Jesus and worship him. Are you with me this morning? Because this is really good. It's about Jesus. takes it from a, a cultural racial, starts to hone in a little bit on her and talks about this whole gender thing and, and then begins to take it to, to her spiritually and then he takes it a step further. He knows the answer he's going to get. Why, why, what a random thing. Hey, go grab your husband. How strange is that? Okay. What did he want to do? He wanted to get into her heart. So here you have all of this tension, all of this baggage. You have racial baggage. You have gender baggage. You have church baggage. And now she brings her issues to the forefront. And here's the reality. Whether she is damaged by others, we don't know. How, why did she have five husbands? A lot of people read this right off the bat and they assume she was a prostitute. Nowhere in scripture does it say she was a prostitute. And there are many reasons why she could have so many husbands. I mean, one is she could be a black widow just taking them out. Come on, somebody. Right? I'm marrying for money. Right? Hey, that, that's a possibility. Well, no, it doesn't say in Scripture, but it's a possibility. The other possibility is that she's just really unlucky. Right? And because of the law of the time called the kinsman redeemer, when one husband passes away, she goes to the next of kin. She goes to the closest relative, and they have, that man has to take her in and provide for her as her own. So she could just be really unlucky. Maybe her husband keeps dying. She goes to the next one, and so she's been through so many. It could be because in that culture, one of the reasons they could be, get a divorce was because she was unable to bear children. And so the husband legally could divorce her. So she goes to the next one, and the next one divorces her. And yes, there is the possibility that she is a prostitute. 
but nowhere in scripture does it declare which one she is. But listen to me, whether she's damaged by others, devastated because of her own choices, or just desperate because of her circumstances, it really doesn't matter. She needs help. She needs help. It really doesn't matter what the issue is. She needs help. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he crushes the racial tension. He crushes the sexual, you know, the male-female issue. He crushes the worship issue within churches and he crushes her moral issues. He cuts through all of her past, all of her pain, all of her crap and reaches in and begins to love her and begins to accept her. And because of that love and that acceptance, Man, is somebody in here glad that Jesus did that for you? That Jesus looks past your past and reaches through your junk and says, I have a purpose for you? Listen, this isn't even her past. It's her present. It's where she's at. It's where she's living. It's her address. Are you with me this morning? And he just reaches in, says, I got a purpose for you. Because of that love. And that acceptance, she leaves everything, runs back, says, you got you to gotta come and meet someone. As the Bible says in Luke 7, 47, to whom is forgiven much, loves much. She just goes back and says, you got to, man, our mission flows from a place of love and acceptance. He's a good God. He loves you. He's not, listen, we don't go on mission because, hey, I saved you, get to work. We go on mission because he loves us. And it flows from a place of love and acceptance. He's not a demanding God, he's a loving God. He loves unconditionally, thoroughly, completely. Because of that love and acceptance, we can go on mission. The second thing I see in the story is this, is that you can be in process while you're on mission. You can be in process while, what do I mean by process? Uh, I don't know about you, but the work that Jesus Christ has done in my life has been a process. And it's still in process. It ain't finished. Trust me. Ask my wife. Ask my daughters. Ask my poodle if you want, right? It's process. But what I see here in the text is that we have permission to be in process while we're on mission. We don't have to be totally perfect and complete and have it figured out and have all the questions answered in order to go out and say, hey, Jesus loves you. He does? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Probably the same reason he loves me. Why is that? I'm just, I'm junk, but he doesn't treat me like that. Right? I'm in process. And you can be in process and be on mission. Matter of fact, I encourage you to be in process and be on mission. This woman, we don't see her like, like falling at Jesus' feet. Yes, forgive me. I'm a horrible, wretched person. No, she's standing there and the disciples show up. They start talking and she just kind of slips out. She goes, guys, you got to come check out this guy told me everything. It might be Jesus. I'm not sure. Think about that for a moment. She doesn't even know if it's really Jesus. How does that work theologically? 
See, some of us, some of us, we, we, don't, we don't go on mission because of one of two things. We don't go on mission because of our past, and we don't think we got it together, so we have nothing to share, or we don't go on mission because we don't think we know enough about him. This woman crushes both of those. She goes on mission, and she's not even sure if it's Jesus. Wow. Think about that for a moment. She goes, hey, guys, come. This dude blew my mind. I don't know if it's Jesus or not, but it could be. You need to come. It's awesome. That's what she does. That's what she does. We have permission to be in process. But the reason why, here's, here's the reason why. Here's the reason why we don't walk with confidence oftentimes. It's because pastors, including myself, have preached the text wrong. We preached it wrong. Because here's the reality. When you watch a movie, anybody watch movies? Does Passion Life Church believe in that? Okay. G, of course. G movies only, right? When you watch a movie, you know, and afterwards you're thinking about the movie, who do you want to be in the movie? The hero. Right? No, no one really wants to be the villain. No one wants to be the sidekick. I mean, come on, Batman and Robin. You're not Robin, you're Batman. Maybe your spouse is Robin. I don't know, but you're not. Come on, is somebody with me this morning? You know? You know, when you're watching a football, who do you want to be? You want to be the winning team. You want to be the hero, right? And the problem is, is we take that same methodology into the reading of Scripture, and when we read Scripture, we, we read ourselves as the hero. And so we read stories like David and Goliath, right? You know, the Israelites, you know this story? They're all cowering in the background. Oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. You know, and then big Goliath's like, I'm going to kill you, right? That's how it sounds in my mind when I read it, okay? Bear with me, okay? And then there's David with the slingshot and the five smooth stones and his, we're like, I want to be David. Are you with me? The problem is, is you ain't David. No, David is Jesus. You know who we are? We're either Goliath, the guy getting slain, although metaphorically that's the devil. Some of you, you can relate. But here's who we are. We're the Israelites, cowering in the background. Help! But no, we, you want to be like David? Those five smooth stones represent five things that you need in your life. What? That's so wrong. And yet, as a pastor, I've preached it before. I'll be honest with you. When I look back at my days of, of, uh, of youth ministry, I don't believe half the things I preached. I've repented, and I've tried to track down all those kids who are probably living for the devil now. No, his grace is a fit. Is somebody hear me? See, when we read this story, here's what we would like to do to discover our mission. We'd like to look at Jesus. Okay, I need, to, I need to be like Jesus, and I need to pass through areas and places that I don't really necessarily want to be in, and then I can go there. And what did he do? Well, he, he broke through all the cultural stuff, and he broke through the, the racial tension, and, the, and so I've got to do all that. You will never do that because you're not Jesus in the story. In the story, you're one of three people. You're either the disciples that are so carnally minded that you left Jesus and went and got food. You're the people back in Samaria that the woman comes to. Or you're the woman. Okay? 
I just want to tell you, as a pastor, I'm just like the woman, minus the five husbands. I'm just like the woman, okay? That's who I am. It wasn't that long ago that I was sitting outside on my patio after a great Sunday morning, sitting there, questioning my purpose and God's existence. What? Does Pastor Phil know that? And he had you come speak? I might have omitted that part, but who cares? I'm just like her. Sometimes I'm like, you know what, guys? Come meet Jesus. I'm pretty sure I got it right. Not 100%. But, man, I'm in process. Just like she was in process. Huh. So let let me just encourage you this here. Because how many of you guys have ever felt like not coming to church before? Good. How many of you guys, you felt that way this morning and you came anyway? Right. The people laughing, not raising their hands? There's some of them. Okay. He's like, how did he know? Okay. You know, as as a pastor, and I can speak for your pastor too, there's days we don't feel like coming to church. Not only that, there's days where we're we're, we're in process and probably a, a lot of days. But we don't stop when we're, we're in process. I'm in process, continually, but I don't stop. Here's the problem. People want to pull away. People want to pull away. Oh, I don't know. I don't, Pastor, I don't know. I just, oh, man, I'm struggling in my marriage. I should probably just pull away. Pastor, I don't know. I'm, I'm just struggling with some thoughts and some identity stuff, so I should probably not serve. Now, Pastor, I don't know. I'm struggling with this, and so I, I should probably, you know, I'm just going to come and attend for a little while. If I did that to my church, they would have me preach three weekends out of 52 in the year. Because <laughs> I feel about three Sundays I'm on, man. I'm like, good. Hey. Here's, I heard this story a little while ago about two guys that were in a boat. Is anybody getting anything out of this this morning? Four of you. All right. The rest of you, we're just going to keep preaching until you get it. So you let me know when you want to get out of here. All right. Story about these two guys in a boat. And uh, they were out on a lake, and they didn't realize the water got shallow, and they hit a rock, and it put a hole in the boat. The guy heard it, and, cool, and he stops real quick. And all of a sudden, that boat starts taking on water. And the guy's like, we need to do something. we got to patch this. we got, we got, we got to get the water out. And the other guy goes, no, we got to go, and boom, guns it. And as soon as he gunned it, all that water just started to come right out of the boat. There was a gaping hole in the boat. And the only way they were going to keep that thing from getting filled was to stay moving forward. <laughs> Till they got to that dock, got it out really quickly. And I thought about that story because you know what? That's a lot like us. Listen, let's be honest. We got some gaping holes in our lives. We got some major issues going on. But here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen. You look at your issue and you sit there and stare at your issue. Your issue becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. What you need to do is stay focused on mission, stay focused on Christ, and keep moving forward. And that big gaping hole that you think you have in your life, it's not going to take anything else on. Why? Because you're focused on him. You're focused on the work that he has for you. You're focused on mission. 
I'm telling you right now, some of you are so focused on your issue. It looks so big, and the more attention you give to it, the bigger it begins to seem. But if you would just get your eyes off that and get your eyes on him and get your eyes on mission and start to tell other people, listen, people want to know that you got some gaping holes. Stop trying to patch that stuff up and, 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 and project this perfect life that you really don't have. Say, look, man, I'm jacked up. That's what I love about the Bible. And that's the problem we have. That's why we keep wanting to go to Jesus and be Jesus. You ain't Jesus. You are the jacked up person in the story. And the great thing is, ladies and gentlemen, is that God can use crooked sticks to draw straight lines all day long. He doesn't need you to be perfect. He needs you to be placed in his hands and be on mission. Hey, man, good preaching, pastor. You can be in process while you're on mission. Lastly, and I'll close with this one. It's easier than you think. Your mission is so much easier than you think. Come and see evangelism is the best form of evangelism there is. Can I just talk to some people that have been in church for a little while? Because when you hear evangelism, you already have this preconceived idea of what that is. That's weird. Got to go stand around handing out tracks of like, you know, grim reapers and people falling off buildings and dying. And that's weird. Anybody know what track I'm talking about? (laughs) Right? I got to stand on a street corner and say, you're going to die and go to hell. Get Jesus. Right? You hear evangelism, you're like, whoa, I don't know. It's like, come and see evangelism is the best form of evangelism there is. What evangelism is that, Pastor? Come to my church. Experience Jesus. But, but Pastor, I mean, all my life in church, they always told me not to rely on the church and on the pastor to do. Let's just flip that. The greatest form of evangelism is, hey, come walk with me. Look at my life. It's pretty jacked up. But Jesus. Huh. Come and see event. That's what the Bible says. Oh, taste and see. Psalm 34, 8, that the Lord is good. Taste and see that God is good. Listen, you can't cram that down their throat. Taste it now. Get it. You're going to love it. Take a bite. What do you do? Anybody ever been to the Grand Lux Cafe? They have one in Las Vegas. They used to have one in Beverly Center. Never been there. I guarantee you're going to get in a car and you're going to drive to Vegas today to the Grand Lux Cafe because they have the best Asian nachos in the world. And some of you are like, yeah, I just crushed the racial tension right there. Asian and Mexican nachos. They're amazing. They're on these little wonton crispers. And there's some rice on them. True. And they got this chicken. And then they got this peanut sauce. Mm. And a little dash of wasabi. And it is honestly the most amazing thing in the world. Like, like, like it, make, it like melts in your mouth. I don't even know how to, it's just so good. So good that a friend of mine called me from Vegas the other day and said, hey, I'm coming back from Vegas. I can be at your house in seven hours. Do you want me to pick up some Asian nachos? True story. 
I said, nope, pick me up two orders of Asian nachos. And they brought those things to my door and they were soggy and I threw them in the oven and crisped them up. And I was just like, oh, heaven. Pretty sure Jesus lives inside of an Asian nacho. Come try it. It's amazing. See, my marriage was jacked up, but Jesus. I was strung out on drugs, but Jesus. I was confused about my identity, but Jesus. I was confused because one of my, my relatives died and I, I, didn't, I wasn't sure about the afterlife, but Jesus. When you introduce Jesus into the equation, everything begins to change. Come and see a man who told me everything. Come taste and see that God is good. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, your word is amazing. God, I thank you so much that that we can be in process. That we don't have to have it figured out. God, we don't have to have it all in order. Hallelujah. But Lord, we just got to be open to you. Hallelujah. And stay on mission. Stay in motion. Hallelujah. God, you're so good. Hallelujah, Jesus. Do me a favor. Just close your eyes for a moment. You know what the church needs? The church needs more people on mission. We more people on mission. Say, hey, come. Come check out at my church. They got a great children's ministry. You know, I've been looking for a place where my kid could kind of learn some. Oh, ch come check it out. Good. Hey, come, come check out. Come check out my church, man. My pastor, Pastor Phil, man. He's such a great, loving guy that I think, I think you could learn something from him. Just come see. Come check it out. Hey, come over to my house for game night. Just hang out with me. Come see. Come see. Come see. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.